In his work, Sacred Earth, Sacred Soul, J. Philip Newell writes that we need the sacred feminine to be strong again within us and our world. No one better represents that possibility and power than the beloved Irish saint, Bridget of Kildare. On today's episode, we meet someone whose story is steeped in myth, yet who, in Celtic imagination, became a figure as important, or even more so, than Mary, the mother of Jesus. One of her titles still used in Ireland today is Mary of the Gales. Bridget fundamentally shaped a Christian ethos rooted deeply in Celtic wisdom that revered the sacred feminine and modeled female leadership, an ethos that cherished the earth and embodied compassion and generosity toward the poor and all who seek refuge. Of the many gifts of St. Bridget is the ability to discern wisdom in liminal times when something new, something unknown, is struggling to be birthed or realized. In this age of lingering pandemic, political fissure, and climate catastrophe, Bridget's vision and the sacred feminine is needed more than ever. We welcome her voice today in this conversation. You're listening to Holy Heresy, a podcast that looks for the questions found at the intersection of spirituality, justice, and the arts. Holy Heresy is brought to you by the First Congregational Church of Los Angeles. One day, a group of men came knocking at the door of the Kildare Monastery, requesting that they be allowed to join the community founded and led by Bridget. She consulted with her sisters. They were aghast. Men? What? Noisy? Unruly? Bothersome? No way. Bridget's first assistant sealed the matter with the words, it's never been done before. Unhappy with this decision, Bridget went outside and sat near the holy well. Something urged her to look deeply into its dark waters. She picked up a tiny stone and dropped it into the well, 
Down it fell until a small splash in the deep told her it had reached the water. But there was still nothing to be seen. She picked up another stone and dropped it into the well. Just at that moment, the noonday sun at its highest place in the sky illumined the water where the stone had struck. Bridget saw tiny circles rippling out from where the stone had pierced the water. In the depths of her imagination, she saw a circle widening, and she thought about this. Because it's never been done before does not mean it can never be done. And it was so. Colder became a monastery for both women and men. Today we meet beloved Bridget, a powerful, transformative leader of the church in Ireland in the 5th and 6th centuries, a patron saint that has enchanted imaginations there and far beyond for hundreds of years. Legend has it that Bridget was born but just before sunrise, that time governed neither by the sun's light nor the moon's, but by the two lights, the twilight. It is also said that her mother gave birth to her neither within the house nor outside of it, but in the doorway of their dwelling. Bridget would come to be associated with that meeting place between opposites night and day, sun and moon, spirit and matter, divine and human. She occupies the liminal space between worlds, stands at the entryway between so-called opposites, which have been torn apart from each other, and bridges them in union again. The Christianity that arose in Ireland and through Bridget illustrates this beautifully. Her Christian faith was rooted deeply in Celtic wisdom, which reverenced both the masculine and feminine. Bridget's namesake was the Celtic earth goddess, Bridget, meaning great or shining one, whose brightness was believed to shine deeply in all things. St. Bridget's stories and symbols resonate with those of the Celtic goddess, who was the goddess of healing and poetry and smithcraft. It is said that Bridget the goddess simply put on a Christian cloak, to become Bridget the Saint. I was delighted this week to learn that women were priests celebrating the Mass in Ireland until the 6th century, some 520 years after Jesus. Bridget was even ordained a bishop, though the consecrating bishop who did so claimed it was an accident. He read from the wrong book by mistake because he was, quote, so full of the grace of God in her presence, end quote. Nevertheless, she persisted in her leadership. The reverencing of women flowed not only from the people's Celtic roots, but also from their understanding of God, an example of why theology is still so very important today. The divine encompassed both male and female, therefore both were sacred. While God contained both, however, God was not bound by either. God, in essence, they were saying even then, was non-binary, gender non-conforming, whose good image was reflected equally in every expression of life. The Roman imperial church codified a patriarchal system in which men held all power, And it was profoundly shaped by its understanding of God 
as literally male, omnipotent, transcendent, set apart, ruling and judging the world from heaven far away. When the Protestant reformers arrived in Ireland in the 16th century, they further entrenched this image as theirs became the dominant form of Christianity. Understandings of God as imminent and feminine were now suspect. The celebration of the sacred feminine derided as pagan and violently repressed. Its exclamation points were tragic as women were further subjugated. For centuries, though, the sisters and brothers of Bridges Monastery in Kildare kept a flame continuously burning to celebrate the light associated with the sacred feminine shining deep in all things, the light that had never been overcome by the darkness. Day after day, night after night, it was tended, kept alive until the 16th century when it was finally extinguished by the reformers. The spiritual practice of Tending the mother fire, however, moved underground and into family homes and hearths. The light that permeated all things persisted, even if not as visible as it once was. It is not unlike wisdom. In our reading today from Sirach, wisdom is portrayed as this sacred feminine energy pouring out from the mouth of God. Alluding to Genesis, when God's creative spirit hovered over the waters of the deep at creation, wisdom subtly covers the entirety of the earth like a mist, searching for people among whom to rest. When received, her gifts are inexhaustible, like the four rivers that flowed through and around the mythical Garden of Eden, providing life to all who came to her. Her depths wider than the ocean cannot fully be grasped or comprehended. The sacred feminine was sought and reverenced by the Druids and Celts in rivers and streams, present to every seeker, its depths infinitely searchable like wisdoms. It was also sought in mountains and hills and forests. Bridges Monastery, Kildare, means Church of the Oak. Drawing on her Druidic heritage, Bridget taught a way of knowing that, like ancient oak trees, reached deep into the ground with their roots and high into the air with their mighty branches, connecting earth and heaven. One of Bridget's early biographers said Kildare became a monastic city. These were not secluded, cloistered nuns and monks living a life set apart, but were women and men who lived their vocation in connection with the people in the larger settlements around them. Bridget and her community became known for their lavish compassion and generosity creating, in effect, a sanctuary city as they saw and affirmed the sacred in every stranger, every foreigner, every other they refused to deem and treat as such. In embracing the sacred feminine, we find immediacy in its call to the thresholds. There, its wisdom challenges our dualities and invites us into healing what is fractured. When Bridget was young, she was known for giving away her family's milk, butter, and cheese to passers-by. One day, she gave her father's bejeweled sword to a beggar. Filled with rage, her father went to the king of Leinster to complain about her. She does things without asking for permission, he said. There are certain things we need to do without asking for permission as well, to stand at the doorway of compassion, 
to stand for things we know to be true and good and loving and just, to merge the divine imperative with the imperatives our souls already know. Bridget spoke exquisitely of the Christhood of all people. Every guest is Christ, she would often say. It was her way of speaking of the divine and the human intermingled within every life. I agree with John Philip Newell that it's laughably sad, the disconnect we've created between the spiritual and physical, between the feminine and the divine. It is this tragic separation between the realms of grace and nature, this lack of integration in this patriarchal domination system that has diminished the lives of so many women and men and humanity's relationship with the earth. We need to reawaken to the strength of the sacred feminine again, to faithfully tend the interrelationship of all things. Newell writes, in this moment, politically, culturally, and religiously, we are witnessing the death throes of a shadow form of masculine power that has arrayed itself over against the earth and over against the sacred feminine. This shadow form of power, however, has no ultimate future, for it is essentially false in its betrayal of the earth and the feminine. So in fear, it is lashing out with unprecedented force. We, all of us, need the power of the sacred feminine. It is not a strength that is used against another, but for one another. It serves our relationship with the earth and the creatures, and it tends and bridges our interconnections with those on the other side of boundaries, political, racial, and religious. Bridget is our reminder that this recovery need not, cannot wait for permission. In this threshold moment we are living, it is needed now. In this threshold community, writing a new future together with and for one another and LA and the earth. Audre Lorde said, life is very short. What we have to do must be done in the now. Let us then look deep within wisdom's well. Sit long enough to rediscover the sacred feminine of God to find what the light is illuminating there, to discover in the depths of our imaginations, as Bridget did, that just because it's never been done before does not mean it can never be done. This well holds great energy and possibility for ever-widening circles of new life. So for this work, I leave you with a blessing still shared in some parts of Ireland today. May God and may Bridget be with you. Amen.
If you enjoy the Holy Heresy podcast and would like to support these continuing conversations, visit fccla.org give and follow the prompts. Donations are tax deductible and all gifts support the social outreach, faith-based exploration, and commitment to the arts that is First Church. Holy Heresy comes from the conversations that begin in our live services on Sunday mornings. Each week we explore the growing edges of theological thought, the exploration of the links between science and religion, the challenges of spiritual practice in 21st century Los Angeles, and most of all, the joys of sharing community in the creative capital of the world. This podcast is produced and directed by David Harris and Laura Velfragan, David Garcia Saldana, Production Manager, Laurel Irene, Audio Mixing. Originally recorded by Mark Doten, Casper Abbo, Danny Hess, Cameron Johnston, and David Mitchell. Musical credits for this episode include Rigodon by Elizabeth Jacquet de la Guerre, played by Christoph Bull on the Great Organs, Hildegard von Bingen's O Virtus Sapientiae, sung by Laude, directed by David Harris. Elevation in F Major by Jacques Lemont, and Et Incarnatus Est from Patrick Cassidy's The Mass Album, recorded by Laude, David Harris, and Christoph Bull, and available wherever you listen. Thank you for your presence here today, where all are welcome. <laughs>